today we'd like to talk about the thing that now you don't like or you might even hate it but which later you will like and maybe even love it. Please listen carefully. This thing which you probably don't like or may not even know about is the life which is above and beyond positive and negative. This is something natural. It's something that anyone can have, can use, can know, can practice, and can benefit, benefit from. So there's no need to, to waste any time thinking about whether I'm a Christian or whether I'm a Buddhist or whatever because we're talking about something beyond such categories, something natural, available to all of us, something that doesn't depend on, on, on any one particular religion. In ordinary words, we just call this, this life. But it's a kind of life in which nothing can come in and condition, concoct, fabricate, or create what we call positive and negative. A life where nothing has the ability to, to stir up positive and negative. That means pleasantness and unpleasantness, liking, disliking, satisfaction and dissatisfaction. This is what we mean by life that is free of positive and negative. These things which disturb or which concoct and fabricate the positive and the negative are of both an external sort, meaning the sights, sounds, odors, tastes, touches, and and mental objects which we experience. And then there are also some internal things which disturb and concoct. These internal things are nothing but the things we call the defilements, the impurities of mind. For those of you who believe in a religion which holds that there is a God, then you must understand that God wants you to be free of positive and negative, to have a life that isn't concocted and, and stirred up by positive and negative. Even the God Yahweh of, of Judaism, of the Old Testament in the in the Bible. Even this God very clearly showed that he didn't want mankind to be trapped within good and evil, that is, within positive and negative. He very clearly 
forbid Adam and Eve to go and waste their time knowing about positive and negative, good and evil. All of us who believe in a God should understand that God doesn't want us to get caught up in and trapped by positive and negative. Although that's what God wants, we're not very interested. Most of us aren't interested in such a life and we don't want it. So we're not very satisfied with, with this wish of God's. However, if we pay careful attention to this matter, we'll start to get interested and we'll begin to even desire such a life. And so we're going to use the time we have today to talk about this so that in a short before long, you'll begin to appreciate the life that is beyond positive and negative. We'd like to do this relatively quickly so that you don't have to wait too long. If you wait too long, you might be dead before you ever learn about it. To understand this matter, we first have to know the difference between two things. The first thing is what we call the mind or the heart. The second thing is I or me, or we can say egoistic consciousness. Very, these two things are very different. And so we need to understand this difference before we go on. Our troubles begin when we experience life with, with I, when we have this feeling of I and me. When there's just the mind, when we just experience the mind, there's no problems. This experience of I, though, is where all our, our troubles begin. Because this is basically ignorant, foolish, and stupid. And from this ignorance, there arises craving, blind desires, and then a foolish clinging to things. And from this clinging and attachment, there arises I, the, the feeling or concept of I, that I am, I exist, which is an illusion. It has no real truth to it. It's just an illusion which is concocted by our attachment. This attachment stirs up this, this experience of I, which is ca the cause of all our problems. But when there's just just mind, just experience of mind. This is something that is purely natural and there's no problems with it. When somebody insults us or disparages us, yells at us, criticizes us, who does it, who does it bother? Who is touched by it or what is touched? Usually it's I, I am touched by this 
this yelling and criticizing. And so I hurt. The mind isn't touched by it. We should see the difference here when we're, when we're criticized, yelled at or whatever, that this, the thing that is touched by this is this feeling of I and not the mind, the natural mind itself. When the mind is foolish, stupid, it, it considers itself to be I. It takes, the foolish mind takes itself to be I. And then when there's criticism or disparagement, the mind, this ignorant I, is touched, is disturbed, is hurt by it. But that pure natural mind which has no ignorance, isn't touched at all. It's just this ignorant concept of I that is hassled and hurt. There's a very big difference here that we need to see between the ignorant illusion of I, which gets hurt and harmed, and the pure and natural mind, which isn't touched at all. But this, this is something very few people have come to see. We can't tell the difference between I and the mind. We take the mind to be I, or we take I to the be the mind. We've muddled up the two, and so we've made our lives into a tremendous mess. Please look carefully and observe that the mind can be kept from suffering. It's quite easy for the mind, the pure natural mind, to avoid suffering, pain, and misery. But I, I, me, no matter what you do, I cannot avoid suffering. There's no way you can prevent me from being hurt, from being miserable. There's a tremendous difference between the two. There's really no difficulty in keeping the mind from experiencing suffering and misery. But it's inevitable that I will suffer and hurt. You should see this difference very closely in your own life. It's quite easy for the mind to be without suffering. Very simple. But it's impossible for I to be free of misery, pain, or what we call dukkha. Suffering, pain, misery, dissatisfaction is a, a product of I. I is what causes our pain. I itself is an illusion, the product of ignorance, where the foolish mind has concocted this, this joke, this illusion, this trick of I, of me, of ego. And once this illusion arises, it, 
it causes pain, suffering. Having to carry around the burden of I, the burden of ego, this in itself is inevitably painful and miserable. Just having an I is in itself a drag. The ego is automatically painful. And so there's no way that I can be free of suffering. But the mind that is free of ignorance, attachment, and ego, it's naturally completely free of any pain, sorrow, and dissatisfaction. This is the difference. Let us stress once again that when we're insulted or yelled at, it's I that is touched, the ego, and not the mind itself. The mind is, is, is outside of, beyond the influence of any external activity like insults, being yelled at, being criticized, being abused. The mind is beyond this, outside of this. But I, ego, is under the influence of all these external factors and activities. And so I must suffer from the power of all those, of all those things. The mind itself is free of that influence. The mind is beyond being touched by those things and so makes no problem of them. But I allows itself to be touched and conditioned by all those external things and therefore it suffers. Please discriminate this, please discriminate between the two cases. It will be of great value to you. When, when there is just mind, then there is no, no I. The mind that is pure and natural, free of ignorance and free of attachment, exists just as it is. But when ignorance leads to foolish clinging and grasping at things, then I is born. And when I am born, I drives out, chases away the mind. And then there is only I. Sometimes there is just mind. Other times there is just I. But it's always one or the other. There's no, there's no mixture or in-between state. Imagine that there's a kingdom of mentality, a mental kingdom. And then the, the natural pure mind is ruler of this kingdom. But then if I comes in, stages a revolution and takes over the throne, then I rules the kingdom of the mind 
or the mental kingdom. And then there's no mind. There can only be one ruler, either mind or I. When I rules, it takes over all the, the functions and systems of the kingdom and warps it to the will of I, which is rooted in ignorance and blindness. So everything happens according to I. And this, this leads to all kinds of problems. If there is I on the throne, then mind cannot be there. And when I is on the throne, it dominates all the workings of this kingdom. But when I is not there, then, then the natural mind can, can sit on the throne again. Things are always like this. Sometimes I disappears and there remains only the mind. But sometimes the mind is chased away and there remains only I, one or the other. And the difference is, is complete and absolute. It's the difference between black and white, something we, we need to look into. With this difference, this complete and utter difference between mind and I, we should learn how to separate the two. Learn how to remove the I, to take the I away from mind. When I comes in, then learn to get, how to get rid of it. Or learn how to free mind from the I, either way. Learn to keep the two apart so that we don't let I take over the show. Whenever there is losing or winning, these are things that happen to I. The mind itself can neither lose nor win. This discriminating, judging, thinking of winning and losing is something that occurs only to the, the I, the ego, and the mind itself is, is untouched by that. All of these dualities, like winning and losing, are, the, are something that happens to I. These dualities, this winning and losing, are products of, of I, or of the deluded, ignorant mind. The pure mind doesn't, doesn't deal with such things. They only arise out of ignorance. When you're, when you're going to, whether you're going to work, or you're going to play sports or something, this is something that I does. It's not something done by the mind. I work, I play, 
I win, I lose. And all these various dualities of good and bad, positive and negative, they arise from I. They're products, they're the domain, the kingdom of I. The mind doesn't mess around with such things. The mind is is beyond them. So this, but when the when there is the foolish, ignorant mind, then it creates I and all the dualities of winning and losing. When ignorance, the ignorant mind, concocts I, then I work, I play, I win, I lose, and on and on and on. It's essential to discriminate between I and the mind itself. Please, please do so. There's something deep and secret which is able to turn the mind into I. This, this thing that can transform the mind into I is called upadana. In Thai, it's called upatan. In the language of the Buddha, it's called upadana, upadana. We ask you to learn this word because once you understand its meaning, it will, it will be very clear. It's often translated into English as attachment. But the translation attachment is nowhere near as good as the original upadana. Because there's a lot of ambiguity to the English word attachment. So you're better off learning upadana, which is complete attachment, is the fullest or the the deepest meaning of the word attachment. This, this upadana is what turns the mind into I. If we can understand this thing, upadana, then we'll be able to control things or to prevent the mind from being transformed by upadana into I, into me and mine. The, the mere or pure mind, the natural mind, exists in a way that is, is difficult to, to talk about. But when this mind is conditioned by ignorance, when ignorance, stupidity comes in, then there arises upadana. This is when the, the mind grabs onto something, attaches some, to something with ignorance. Upadana is grabbing onto, attaching foolishly, ignorantly. When there is then, when the mind is grasped, attached to something ignorantly, then that mind, under this influence now of upadana, regards itself as I. So in this way, this, the upadana drives out the natural mind and then there is just the foolishness of I.
if if we play sports just for for the enjoyment of it or play 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 sports for for the health the exercise of it then it's the pure mind which plays but if we engage in sports in order to win or to lose then it's i i that plays the pure mind just just plays in a natural way and it goes on very smoothly but i plays in order to win or i may lose this creates tremendous troubles for us when we do things with i the results are completely different when the from when the pure mind is what what acts if you can tell the difference between playing sports with mind and playing sports with with i then that will be quite a wonderful understanding which will be of tremendous benefit to you we should also have the same kind of understanding about work any work we do we should find the difference between working with mind and working with i if the mind is what's working that means working with just with mindfulness and wisdom everything goes smoothly and peacefully there's sufficient success what needs to be done is done is accomplished properly without the mind being hassled or getting into any problems but if we engage in various businesses or or the work of earning a living with i then we make all kinds of troubles for ourselves so work earn a living do whatever business you have to do without without i learn to not let upadana come in and turn it into i work i earn a living and so on just do the work with with mindfulness with and wisdom with a mind that is is pure and natural and then everything will go up go along easily smoothly and the mind will be at peace see learn how to to tell the difference between this these two ways of doing things and it will be obvious to you which way is is superior if we work with the pure mind the sweat comes out as holy water which is cool but if we work with i with ego with ego then the sweat comes out as hot water which torments us so observe the difference between the work of mind the work of the pure mind and the work of i 
observe, observe the difference between the two, and then learn how to work just with mind, to do the various duties and activities of work that belong just to, to mind. If we can do this, then we'll also learn the difference between the life of, of the pure mind and the life of I, of ego. And then we'll be able to live a life that is just the life of the mind, a mind that is pure, rather than a life that is trapped within I, ego, I go, all the egoistic concepts and delusions that burden the ordinary life of people. And then we'll know the life of, of pure mind. And when we know the life of pure mind, there will be a life that's free of the influence of positive and negative. That will be a life which is cool, which never is, is scorched or burnt by any heat. It's a cool life which is free of, of dukkha, of suffering, misery, and pain. The pure mind is something that is original, that is natural and original. I, ego, the egoistic mind, is a new product, something that has been newly produced by, by ignorance. The, the original mind is cool and at peace, but this newly produced I is an illusion, a concoction arising from ignorance, from wrong understanding. And this makes life hot and painful. The life of the pure mind, of that original natural mind, is cool and, and free. But the life of I, of ego, of me and mine, is full of suffering. It's dominated by pain and sorrow and dissatisfaction. So understand that I and mind are completely different. Please understand this. That original natural mind is, lives in a state of, of just like that. It has a, a, a quality or state to it that is just like that or just that way. But the, the ignorant I mind, the ignorant ego, has destroyed that natural original condition. So it's important to, to protect that original mind that is just like, like that. The original mind exists or goes along with causes and conditions, with circumstances, and, and responds to them wisely. The natural original mind has knowledge which, which is able to prevent the arising of I, of ego, 
And so that, that original mind that has correct and proper knowledge can maintain that, that state of just like that or just that way. But if there is foolishness, so, so it's very important that there be correct knowledge and understanding. Otherwise, the mind will just float. It'll just float around, drifting, going with the flow. And then it will be, it won't have the knowledge to protect it. And so various causes and conditions will, will concoct it. This is a, a tricky word to explain, but the various circumstances and situations will, will condition the mind, will program it, will, will cook it up, will stir it, will concoct it into, into I. When there's ignorance, that is a lack of this correct knowledge, then the mind gets cooked up and concocted into I. And then that state of, that natural original state of just like this is lost, is destroyed. So it's essential that we have this correct knowledge so that the mind doesn't just float in ignorance, but so that the mind can maintain its original natural state of just like that. necessary to make a very special study into this matter. It's important for you to make this special study in order to see that that I, ego, is a new product that arises later, that it's, it's not original. This is something that you can discover for yourself. If we consider the fetus in the womb, it's obvious that that fetus has no thoughts or concepts of I. It's at, in no way thinking of I or I go. And then when the infant is newly born, it doesn't think of itself. It doesn't think of I, of me, of, of mine because it can't think yet. It hasn't begun thinking yet. And so it hasn't produced the I. But then, as the, the senses of the, the infant begin to function, the eyes, the nervous system, including the eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, and the mind, both the physical and mental aspects of the senses, begin to function. And then through this sense experience, the child begins to have certain experiences which are pleasant, which are agreeable, which it likes. And then other experiences which are unpleasant and disagreeable. For example, the child, the child has its first taste of milk. It drinks mother's milk. And there arises the feeling of deliciousness. It, it tastes good. And then there, then there 
later or after that, there arises the feeling, I'm delicious. I'm delicious. This I arises afterward. It's, it's stirred up by the, by the pleasant, agreeable feeling, by the deliciousness of the milk. It's, this I is a new product. Ego wasn't there from the beginning. It arose later because, because there wasn't the proper knowledge to, to understand things correctly. When the mind lacks proper understanding, then there arises this I, as we have described. This mind clings to things as positive and negative. When I arises, then positive and negative are born, and these create all kinds of dangers. These are very dangerous for I because they make it impossible for there to be peace. When there's the positive and the negative clinging to good and evil, there's no way that there can be any true and real peace. This clinging to I and my, to, to good and evil clinging to positive and negative is the, the root cause of what we call suffering. <clears throat> We'd like to point out that this is what in Christianity is called original sin. Original sin means merely regarding things as good and evil, as positive and negative. And once we regard them like that, then we we create all kinds of problems out of that attachment. Through this regarding things as good and evil, then there arises all the problems that human beings experience. This is the meaning of original sin. The, the original natural mind is, is free of all that. It's beyond the influence of positive and negative. It doesn't know the positive and negative. But then I arises later and causes all these difficulties. So it's very important to, to discriminate between the natural mind and, and ego. When, when God first created Adam and Eve, they, they didn't they hadn't yet tasted of the fruit of the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so they, they had no I, no ego. But after they had gone and eaten the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, then I arose. And from this I, they were clinging to things as good and bad, as positive and negative. And they suffered for this. They had to endure great pain because of this. Originally there was no ignorance, but through eating this fruit there arose ignorance and then suffering followed. This is the same as with the newborn infant. The newborn infant hasn't yet 
discriminate at anything as good or evil, positive or negative. And so it doesn't suffer. But then as time goes on, the child begins to know good and know evil. And from this discrimination, ego, ego, is, is created. And then the, the child suffers. This is how original sin occurs in the life of all human beings. Through this, through this discrimination of things being good, being evil, being negative, being positive, there arises all kinds of misery. And we go and attach to the good, the positive, way too much. And it, it makes us crazy, at least neurotic, and sometimes even psychotic, because of this attachment. So would you please interpret this, this passage from the Christian Bible from Genesis, chapters 2 and 3, which we've been talking about, interpret it in this way. And then you'll have this a very valuable understanding that when originally Adam and Eve were free of ego and therefore free of suffering, but by eating that fruit, coming to know good and evil, discriminating things as good and evil, attaching to things as good and evil, there arose I. This is where the concept of I first arose through this discriminating and attaching. And the result of that is the pain and suffering that we're still enduring today. This is how you should understand the words original sin. You should also know that we all have a certain great fortune, a good fortune, that we have not yet received. There is a good, a good fortune that we don't, that we haven't received yet. In the Bible, in the, the final book, the book of Revelations, it speaks of another tree, the tree of life or the tree of eternal life. That, that first tree, the tree of good and evil, is, is crazy. All it does is lead to suffering, that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But if we eat the fruit of the tree of life, it does away with, with original sin and all those problems. But we, we haven't received this fruit yet. God has surrounded it with all kinds of weapons and all kinds of soldiers to prevent us from, from reaching the tree of life, the tree of eternal life. But now the time has come for those of us who have been suffering the consequences of original sin up until this very day. Isn't it now time for us to look for, to, to go in search of this, this tree of life, the tree of life that will free us from all the, the lunacy, the idiocy of our attachments to good and evil, to positive and negative. The opportunity is now arisen 
for you to to receive that great fortune. You now have the opportunity to eat the fruit of the second tree. This opportunity is called the mindfulness with breathing cultivation of mind, anapanasati papana, the mindfulness with breathing cultivation of mind. This is a way for those of us who are still under the influence of eating that, that first fruit, the fruit that leads to attachment to good and evil. This is a way for us to recover the natural, original mind. Recover it in a way that our understanding is complete and correct so that we can eliminate all the influence of eating that, that original fruit by that first fruit, by eating this second fruit. We now have this opportunity within the practice of mindfulness with breathing. This isn't something you have to wait for any longer. The time has now come. It's just a matter of whether you want it or not. If you want it, you now have the chance. When the mind is under the influence of the first tree, then it won't be at all interested in this this thing we're talking about. But when the mind has eaten the fruit of the second tree, then it will be most interested. It will even love this thing we're talking about. This is why at the beginning we mentioned we talk about the thing that now you're not interested in, that you don't like, but that someday you may learn to love. Now, you don't really like this thing. But in the future, you may learn to love it. If you come to eat this second fruit, then you'll, you'll really want and need what we've been talking about. Many, many dozens of years ago, there was, there was a song, which maybe you've, anybody out there who's up in years a bit might remember this one. This song goes something, there's one line in this song that says, it is one day your lips will say, I love you. And if you one day come to, to taste the fruit of the second tree, then you'll sincerely want to be liberated from to be completely freed of all that original sin. And then you'll truly love this thing we've been talking about. So this is what we've set out to discuss today, and we've now come to the end of our time, and today's talk is now finished. If you sing this line over and over again, one day you'll, you'll love it. You'll love the life that is above positive and above negative. Today you don't like it yet, but one of these days you'll, you'll like it.
he heard this song before he ordained, which means over 60 years ago. 